Hello everyone. My name's Steve Walker. I'm a Scottish wild camper and adventurer, travelling to remote parts of Scotland finding the ultimate camping spots while chasing sunsets and sunrises. Also talking about gear, tents, food and a whole lot more. So follow me on my podcasts as I take you camping on the wild side. folks and welcome back to another podcast. This week myself and my daughter Charlie are on the road and heading for a night stay in Durer Bothy. Glen Durer is situated in the most amazing forest surrounded by many hills. The Bothy itself is probably about three and a half miles walk from the small forestry car park just outside the village of Durer in the Highlands. Steeped in history this Bothy is a must-visit, and reading the tales of its past makes your hair stand up on the back of your neck. This is... well, there's booklets on the history about the, the Bothy, and you can quite easily get hold of them online. Okay, so getting to Durer Bothy. Well, from the north, from Fort William direction, you come down to Balahulish Bridge, taking the A828 to Appen. It's signposted. Otherwise, from the east, you come along all the way through the A82 to the beautiful and spectacular Glencoe Village. The vast towering mountains, towering above you from both sides, are instantly telling you that this is another area drowned in a vast amount of history with pain, suffering and mass bloodshed. So following the A82 through and past Glencoe Village, going on to the A828 again to Appen. From Oban, in the south, following the A85 north, uh, over the Connell Bridge and again heading to Appen. And from Tindrum, heading west on the A85 over the Connell Bridge, to Appen, 
and to Dura. Now we've established on the map, and hoping that you've all have a picture of it in your head, and from my directions as where Dura Bothy is located, um, if I have confused anyone, um, or you're in a different country due to my bad directions, then I totally apologise. So Charlie and her dog, Harris, and myself were continuing our adventure after we stayed at Gorton Bothy, which I must say was an amazing Bothy and a great walk. You can check out that podcast here as well. So myself and Charlie stopped at Glencoe Ski Centre, more so for just a, a cup of tea and a little bite to eat, before heading through the Glencoe Valley, which is about 12 to 15 miles, depending on where you start and finish. The, the mountains are amazing, and with a clear sign of snow, made them stand out very prominent. To continue in along the A82, joining the A816, and heading for Dura, it wouldn't take long on this very scenic drive. Reaching Dura, in good time, we followed the small winding road out to the back and to reach Glen Dura Car Park. To Glen Dura Car Park is the start of the forestry, and it's surrounded by a mix of beech trees, silver birch trees, and a load of hedgerows on the way. Turning off the engine and knowing it was going to be a better and more shorter walk made us feel good. Stretching our legs for a minute before sorting out our rucksacks again, we took our items that we didn't need to save us on weight and unnecessary items that we didn't want to take. I also repacked the small rucksack with more coal, kindling, fire lighters, paper, just the usual stuff to keep us going. Taking extra food and gas to have a comfortable night, as well as all our coal to keep the fire well lit, was a must. All sorted, the rucksacks packed, we locked the car and set off. Joining the forestry road, which was, there was a gate that was locked to the public so nobody could get up that way. We, imme- we were immediately overshadowed with tall pine trees and emerged into a choir of bird songs that just filled the air. It was just amazing. It was also just a very relaxing and feel-good wander through the forestry tracks, listening and watching. Harris. Charlie's dog was just having the best time. He was smelling everything. It was just all new to him. Just a totally different environment than we had previously done. So all the smells and all the bird songs were just magical to go through. We were both clearly super excited to be staying in another bothy. And again, not knowing who would be there and even if it was open. Leaving the mixed woodlands behind and hit clear fell area of forestry where trees had been extracted for timber use. The f- views around every corner and the winding forestry tracks were just brilliant. The different colours caused with the sunlight and shadows reflecting 
were so nice to see as we continued our wander. It was such a lovely walk and easy on our feet, with the well-surfaced forestry track. It was a cold day, but the sun was showing itself from behind the clouds on and off. The coldness soon became frost on the ground, and with a pretty and was a pretty sight. It was nice to see, and not long after, it became snow. A pair of fox tracks led a good part of the way. I could tell they were fox tracks because foxes generally walk in straight lines to save energy, and plus they're always on the hunt, whereas dogs wander all over the place and smelling everything, so totally different tracks. There was no human prints in the snow, so that meant that nobody had come this way, so the chances of someone in the bothy was a little bit higher. It was becoming more magical as the snow became deeper, which made the scenery stand out like a, a big winter wonderland. The ground was covered and the trees were balancing snow on their branches, making the air very still, which made it that very quiet walk. There was just no noise whatsoever, it was all muffled. Still surrounded by bird noises, we took a small path which took us off the forestry road. We were soon engulfed with tree branches, not far from head height, like a big tunnel, which made this section very magical and mysterious and even enchanting. The winding path with grass and mud underfoot was pretty easy going and it meandered through the forestry with a slight uphill climb but nothing serious. Soon daylight could be seen ahead and we came around a corner and it's weird but an exciting feeling being in a forestry and having that moment of hitting daylight, it's like freedom, feeling as, as the whole area opens up and becomes a much brighter area. A grand view of the hills were in full view, and with the sun slowly going down, it was now late afternoon at this point. An orange glow from the sun shone onto the hill faces and created this amazing colour on the hill faces, which was really nice to admire. So we stood there for a couple of minutes just admiring all these lovely views and the sun, and you could definitely feel a chill in the air as the sun was setting. We carried on for about a 100 yards, and coming out of the forestry a little bit further, Durer Bothy came into sight. The path narrowed as we came closer as it led us straight to the door. We looked at each other and both said, wow, at the same time. What an absolutely stunning little cottage Bothy. It was beautiful. It was quaint. It was gorgeous and magical, and we hadn't even looked inside yet. A dusting of snow covered the ground as we took in the views around the Bothy. It was in the most perfect location. 
So being dad, I thought it would be a great idea to let Charlie do the honours of being the first in the bothy. It's quite exciting. Just like our walk to Gorton Bothy, we were talking about meeting people that could also be staying in the bothy. It's one of these things that you never know who's going to be there, what's going to happen, all that kind of stuff. And I think people just have that perception that they don't want anybody else there. They want it all to themselves. So it, when we were standing outside the bothy, we could quite clearly see that there was no smoke coming from the chimney pot or any signs of any light could be seen through the windows. And the windows were covered in cobwebs. A good sign in a way. Charlie opened the small red wooden door. It gave a magical, mystical noise as it was pushed open. A weary creak and screech from the metal hinges. It's this opening. If this opened in the middle of the night, the noise and the screeching would probably jump out my skin. Moments like this are brilliant. And I suppose you build up a picture in your head what you think the bothy is going to look like inside. And it's never what you think. Unless you see it in a book. A delightful one big roomed bothy was revealed as the door shed light on our entrance. It was such a lovely little cottage with raised flooring at one end making the bed area for probably about four, five people. A large wooden table in the middle of the bothy for your cooking and preparation area. And at the far end lay a decent pyramid-style stove log burner. The stove was surrounded by handmade chairs and a bench-style seat made from old pallets and various bits of wood. No padding on them, but they were, they'd done the job. So we couldn't complain. An abundance of candle holders on the wall and some on the tables were great to have. After about ten minutes inspecting this beautiful, quaint little cottage, we began to unpack. Um, we began to sort the beds. So we took out the air mattresses, we got the sleeping bags out and puffed up, hot water bottles ready, and night clothes all tucked into the sleeping bag. Doing this, in a way, saves so much fumbling about later on when it gets dark, as there's just so much to do. We sorted food out, a quick walk to a nearby stream for water, and soon a pan of boiling water was on the boil for a well-deserved cup of tea. The sound of water boiling is one of the best sounds you can hear when you're awake, whether it's camping or doing a bothy like us. It just boosts what you need. So warming our hands, holding a freshly made cup of tea was perfect and gave us that little thinking time to take in the surroundings of the bothy. With the last mouthful of tea drunk and cups down, our plan was for me to go and collect some firewood and kindling to keep us going through the night. 
Charlie sorted the coal, firelighters and kindling that we had brought and she set to work with her firelighting skills to get some heat in this bothy. Just a stone's throw from the bothy was a section of pine forest. So I walked through it, collecting as much firewood and brash as I could and brought it back to the bothy door. I did a few trips collecting it as much as I can from the forestry floor. I didn't cut anything down from the trees. There was no need to. And it was more so because there was so much lying on the forest floor. There was just an abundance everywhere. So a big collection of wood was piled up outside the bothy. As I brought the last lot, I could smell the freshly lit fire. That was so rewarding. It's a memorable smell and takes a lot of people back to their younger days. So Charlie had successfully lit the fire, which was great, and I had collected a fair amount of wood from the forest and was now cutting it into smaller pieces and bringing it into the bothy. With a good amount chopped and brash lay on the bothy floor in a pile, we had a plentiful supply to hand, along with the coal and some logs that were left in the bothy. With darkness falling quickly, we now were pretty much sorted and organised with heating, fuel and food. A recognisable groan and rumble from our stomachs reminded us that we hadn't eaten for a while, so dinner was next on the cards. On tonight's menu was flavoured rice with smoked sausage and then mandarin oranges with custard for pudding, brought by Charlie. Holding our mess tins and using our jumper sleeves as protection from the heat, we sat by the fire eating our dinner, sitting in silence watching the now roaring fire was just perfect and most of all seeing my daughter Charlie having so much fun and relaxing. Dad and daughter time was well needed. Even though Harris was with us, it's so nice to see and have the time we spend together which is very precious. And even better when there's dogs are part of it. You have to have a dog in a bothy. It should say that in the real books. With our stomachs full and with another cup of tea, we relaxed watching the fire for a while. As you do, it's a good moment of the day. I washed the dishes and just in the nick of time, as it had started to snow, which was actually amazing. A short time after it had stopped, we both went outside and took a look at the stars, which to our luck, were absolutely beautiful. The night sky was clear, giving us a full view again, and our luck was in. Charlie, as always, takes amazing photographs and a short time lapse of the stars and planet systems, which she always does great. It felt like we were outside for hours, watching, listening and photographing. And soon our fingers and toes were telling us it was time to retreat into the bothy for heat. Closing the door for the night and topping up the fire with coal was a great feeling. 
I suppose we could have stayed out there all night watching the universe in real time, but it was actually quite cold. The sound of a can being pulled and a packet of nuts being ripped open was our next best thing. Sipping on a can of gin and picking away at nuts and nibbles in front of the fire was perfect. End to the day. Watching the candles flicker and the cool draught swirling about the bothy created a magical atmosphere. Our conversations were great that night, reading about the history of the area and the various characters and tales that were what a bothy needs. The quietness was nice to hear as we sat in silence watching and listening to the sounds of the bothy. We had plenty of gas for the stove and made good use of it. Plenty cups of tea, regular, was ideal. We lost track of time as you do in a bothy and we yawned as we knew it wasn't far away from bedtime. So on that note, I boiled a pot of boiling water again and this time filled the hot water bottles. I probably say this a lot, but I personally find that a hot water bottle is a must piece of kit. It makes your night's sleep so much more comfortable and warm, and it just gives you that bit of morale in your sleeping bag. So we did also crack open a couple of little heat pads which you, which we have, and that gave us that little bit of heat, whether you put them in your socks or in your pockets or something like that. It was it was good to have. So with one last look outside, and to our surprise, it was snowing pretty heavy again, which made our bothy stay so much cosier. Blowing out the candles, but keeping a couple on for some light and putting a good amount of coal on the fire was the last job of the night. It's a great feeling jumping into your sleeping bag with warm clothing and having a hot water bottle in with you along with the cosiness of the body. It's just so good. We still had the body to ourselves at this point and knew that potentially somebody could turn up at any time and we were kind of ready for that and if somebody did turn up they were welcomed with light from the candles and a nice warm heat from the fire. In our sleeping bags and Charlie snuggled up with Harris we drifted off to sleep. Waking at 6.30 in the dark was pretty much normal for me. The bothy was cool but I actually slept pretty well. We got up and Charlie walked over to the fire, which was nearly going out and with her magic touch brought it back to life and soon the bothy was a little bit warmer. Meanwhile, I had the pot of boiling water away for our first cup of tea to heat us up. The fire shed light in the bothy along with some candles we lit for a nice picture. Opening the door to the bothy, we were met by a good few inches of snow. No footprints were to be seen outside and made it just look amazing. We were warming up slowly 
and stood around the fire drinking her cups of tea and having a chat. Breakfast wasn't far away, and this time it was porridge, followed by black pudding rolls, which would set us up for the morning. You can't beat the smell of cooked breakfast being cooked in a bothy. It was so nice sitting down eating breakfast while snow was in abundance outside, and of course, in front of this roaring fire. So after a while, we soon decided it was time to pack things away, obviously when it got a little bit lighter. There was no rush to do so, it was a relaxing morning. Our rucksacks were emptied and we repacked them so it wasn't just rammed shut. Warm clothes on, our sleeping bags away and our mats away and the fire burning, we got sorted and stuck into cleaning this bothy up. This amazing little bothy had been our home for a night, and as required by the bothy law, we cleaned it and brushed it out. Our rubbish was packed away in the rucksacks, because that's what you do. With the bothy now being cleaned, and cleaner when we arrived, which is not a bad thing, we wrote a section in the bothy diary to let people know about our stay. It's very interesting reading other stories from people. Some are funny, some are being scared, but it's good to read a good mix of tales. A final check of the bothy, and leaving our trademark little bothy box behind for others, we closed the door behind us for the last time. It felt so much better heading downhill, back along the three and a half mile forest walk, back to the car. We were lighter, as we had no coal and less food to take back. The extra coal and fire lighters we didn't burn were left beside the cleaned fireplace, ready for the next visitors to use. The walk back through the snow was magical, and walking into the forestry, bare ground where the snow couldn't get to was so lovely. Pine trees, grasses, and plant life were dusted with snow, and in parts they were peeking through the snow after being buried. A little robin danced about our feet as we took a breather to enjoy some sounds in the, of the forestry, and he was a happy little chap. I think Charlie got plenty of photos of him. It didn't take us long to get back to the car, probably because we knew where we were going. Around the corner, the car came into sight, and it was a relief to get the rucksacks off again and get the car started to defrost it. We were sorted, jackets off and everything packed in the back. With the car warmed up, it was now our time to leave and head home. We had had the best adventure in this beautiful little bothy. Glen Durer is one of the loveliest little bothies tucked away in a Scottish forest. I'm sure there are many more like it, but it's a must-visit bothy. It's very accessible, and the path is good. We loved it, and we would definitely go back. Glen Durer Bothy is run and maintained by the Mountain Bothy Association. You can check out them on their website, and we found 
Glen Durer Bothy in the Scottish Bothy Bible book by Jeff Allen. It's a great reference book and it shows you the ins and outs of many Bothies around Scotland, how to get to them and tales about them as well. So it's a good reference book. So it leaves me to say thank you very much for listening to this podcast. You can always watch the videos of Glenn Durer, Bothy, on Camping on the Wild Side YouTube channel. I'm also on Facebook at Camping on the Wild Side and Instagram at Camping on the Wild Side Scotland. So yes, please check out more videos on the YouTube channel. We have many more adventures to come and many more exciting podcasts. So thank you for listening. Enjoy your adventures wherever you go. This is a podcast by Camping on the Wild Side.